Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Hey, so uh, we're doing the Enneagram, as I described. There's three triads. There is uh, the gut, which is eight, nine, and one. And then there's the heart, which is two, three, and four. And today we're finishing up the head, which is five, six, and seven. And underneath of each of those, we all have something just below the surface. Uh, For the gut triad, we'll talk next week, um, about eight and nine, uh, the next couple of weeks. The gut triad has anger kind of sitting just below the surface. The heart triad has shame sitting just below the surface, two, threes, fours. And you guys that are in the the head triad, you have fear. Um, You operate uh, to try to deal with or avoid uh, or respond to fear in the triad. And so there's an underlying concern for each of us that we've got to be aware of. And uh, there's an underlying thing that we need to be working on constantly in our growth towards Jesus. The type seven, the primary focus of attention for a seven is uh, the best case thinking to provide themselves stimulation. My hidden struggle if I'm a type seven is the belief that I must appear upbeat, spontaneous, and fun. Uh, Cancel out the darker emotions, anxiety, loneliness, and frustration that bring me down. A private battle with self-doubt, negative feelings, and the fear that I'll always feel like a deep, a deep emotion, uh, a deep emptiness inside. An unending desire for stimulation or experiences that'll bring me entertainment, satisfaction, and pleasure. The type seven, Enneagram type seven, sevens are always enthusiastically in motion. They're generally really good at winging it and seek, seek variety, stimulation, and fun. They tend to tackle challenges with optimism. They're generally entertaining and charming to be around. They're future-oriented, engaging in life by always asking, what is next? Their spontaneity enables them to um, take on a variety of challenges. However, this might lead to others experiencing them as impulsive, distractible, and hedonistic. Since the seven lives life to the fullest, their choices might seem insensitive or irresponsible to others. They can be inspirational and receptive team members, enhancing the level of creativity, energy, and optimism. I got news for you. You need a seven in your life. You need a seven in your life. And uh, in, I've, I noticed that myself, uh, I tend to gravitate towards uh, sevens and nines, uh, most especially. But, um, and twos are pretty amazing. Ones, now I got to go all the way through, right? But anyway, the sevens, they're just like, they're, they're the life of the party. The sevens really are the people that, man, when, when they come in, they're always like, what's next? What's fun? What's good? And you're just like, hey, there's a problem here. Well, there's no problem. Let's talk about fun. And you're like, no, 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 really, there's a leak in your roof. Ah, it's okay. Here's a bucket. And, and, and so the sevens are just always on and always fun and trying to be the life of the party. Now, underlying all of that is fear, but it's not like the other two in their category. In the five, the five goes into deep thought to fix the fear. How do I get smarter than the problem so I can handle fear? The six is always looking up to put alarms and and shotguns to keep themselves protected from the issue. The seven just says, the issue's not there. That's how I'm going to deal with the fear. I feel a fear inside. It's not there. I'll pretend. It'll go away. The bear's chasing you. No, it'll run away. And the seven lives in this bubbly, joyful expression of life. The seven's the type of person that will drop all their plans and get on a plane and just go fly somewhere. Because they're a seven. That's what they do. Well, how are they going to pay for it? I don't know. Are you racking up your credit card? Maybe. 
And so the seven just kind of lives this enthusiastic, bubbly, joy-filled life. Now the seven, the friends of a seven, you, you have to be able to say, hey, how are you really doing? Because a seven's going to want to avoid anything that feels bad. And so that's kind of how they're walking through life. The seven, type seven, is an enthusiastic visionary, or the epicure, that um, they rest fruit by themselves. They don't need any help. When you read through Galatians 5, which we will in a second, when you read through that description of what the Holy Spirit can bring to you, if you will submit your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God takes residency, there's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives out this, this fruit to you. Now, joy is listed. For some of you, you're like, Jesus, I need you to help me feel joy. The seven, no problem, Lord. The seven's great with joy. That's their rest fruit. They got that one down. The seven's vice, however, is gluttony. The seven wants to soak up emotions and relationships, and they want to soak up uh, resources, and they want to soak up experiences. And so what can happen is they can, they can be gluttons. They can suck up the world so much so to try to null or dull the, the emptiness or the problem or the fear that they have, that they can become gluttonous. Gluttony is not only food. Gluttony is just taking in too much of a good thing. Every good thing can be a bad thing if you take in too much of the good thing. Stretch fruit is faithfulness. Faithfulness for the seven that because they want to bounce around and create new environments and create new experiences for themselves and soak up life and ignore whatever's hurting them, faithfulness is a stretch. Strengths of the seven, they're optimistic, energetic, enthusiastic, expressive, curious, charming, adventurous, playful, sponta uh, spontaneous, lighthearted, friendly, and they're visionaries. You need sevens in your life, I'm telling you. Sevens are fun. Sevens are fun. Now, weaknesses that sevens have. We all have weaknesses. What are the weaknesses? Reframing. Committed to avo avoid anxiety and pain at any cost. If confronted with pain or their shadow side, they might joke or mess around to distract themselves from the pain that is obvious. Sevens are often oblivious to their own shadow side and the shadow side of others. They can't put themselves at risk if they avoid being aware of the risk. If I don't know what could hurt, let's have fun. Non-resourceful sevens, meaning those that are not developed or grown in Christ, non-resourceful sevens will appear superficial, talkative, narcissistic, spacey, indulgent, irresponsible, unreliable, scattered, naive, as a, they live as a dabbler and an escapist. That's if they haven't understood who they are and they've grown. The vice of the seven, gluttony, sevens are life's consummate con consumers. They want to take all of life in. If you ask a seven what they'd like to do if they could, the answer will be everything. Sevens don't want to miss out on anything. They can suffer from the grass is always greener syndrome. They're always seeking new experiences and excitement. A common refrain of the seven is Everything is fine. They're not here to be slowed down by reality or limitations. They're always looking to, uh, for a preferred future. And when they're healthy, they're able to create it for themselves and others. But when they're unhealthy, they might move from one endeavor to another, always in search of more. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where we're getting the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. So what does that mean? The stretch value of the seven, faithfulness. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit for the seven to be able to find stability and calm in the trust of God's love, mercy, and grace. The seven is pain avoidant. This world is not designed for anyone to pass through pain free. Faithfulness, or if you read the King James Version, they use the word faith, however, presents the seven with an opportunity to find sober observation of the word, the world. Yes, there are problems, but God is above the problem. The seven can move from trying to avoid their problems and their pain to fully engaging with God who can fulfill them in spite of any problems or pain that they might face. Faithfulness says, I trust you, God, even though, even through my pain. I trust you, God, even through my pain. So whereas sevens are, are, are apt to pretend no pain exists or to avoid pain or to try to soak up life to dull or null their pain, Faithfulness is, Lord, I know you, I know your love, I know your mercy, I know your grace, and I know however this works out, that the scriptures say that, that all will work out good in the end for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So I'll be faithful. I'll be anchored. I'll be in one place. I'll still be here. Count on me, Lord. Faithfulness. We live in a world of, of microwave experiences and microwave moments. And we're, we're, we're down to where uh, it used to be that like MTV's video, they would switch every three seconds. And we thought that was like crazy that we would be soaking up three second bites of information before the camera switched somewhere else. And I remember 10, 12 years ago, that was the big thing. Like, hey, do you realize like TV shows, they switch the camera angle a lot just to keep you stimulated. And then now we live in, a, in an age of TikTok and we live in an age of Snap and we live in an age of Instagram where, where we're down to like just flashes of images. But faithfulness. Faithfulness is not being moved by everything. Faithfulness is depending on the deepening relationship that I have with the Lord, that whatever is going on right now in my boat, Lord, you, you are the God of the waters. You are the God of the waves. You are the God of the whole ocean. And just like in Scripture, if you wanted this thing to stop, you can make it stop. But I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. So a sermon for the seven. There are potential sevens that, that are in the Bible. I told you guys, I've been telling you, that uh, all I'm doing is looking at the attributes or the behaviors of people, and I'm not uh, at all equating anything Enneagram with the Scriptures, not for a moment. I'm just showing you there are some people in the Scriptures that re relate to what some of this teaches about personality types. But if you're interested, um, King David and his son Solomon, those would be two people that were, you look at their life, it's a wide variety, always moving to the next thing. And in some ways, the Lord used them. In other ways, because they move into the next thing, they get themselves in trouble. And uh, so both of them are great examples. If you want to go just study and watch how that plays itself out and what God um, speaks to the, that particular person on. But uh, I'm going to do something different this week because the whole title that I've been working on is a sermon for. 
And so today I really felt like it would be most uh, useful for the sevens in the room and those of us that have a, a seven spirit sometimes to be able to just get some download teaching from a passage that speaks right to that issue. So Philippians chapter 4 is where we'll be. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4 starts like this. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Udia and entreat Cynthia to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Just as an aside, I always love, like, we would all be like, man, I want my name in the Bible. Like, that's awesome. That's, a, that's, that's terrific. How great would that be? My name always be remembered for the rest of human history. How great would that be? And then it's just like, yeah, your name's in there, but it's because you were fighting and you couldn't get along. <laughs> like, oh, that stinks. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Look at that command. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's funny, some of us, the way we read that is we emphasize the need to rejoice. Man, I'm sad, I'm down all the time. I just need to rejoice. But it doesn't just say that. It says where our rejoicing should come from. Where our joy should come from. I, I, I don't move situations and circumstance in an endless pursuit of what makes me happy. I put my happiness in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Can I say something right here? Of course, I'm speaking. You came. So here's the thing. In your Bibles, you most likely have a section divider between the debates that the women are having that need to calm down and this idea of finding your rejoicing in the Lord. Almost every Bible has this section and it starts to like give a new time. Can I get news for you? Number one, there's, never, there's no numbers. There's no verse marks in the original text. And there's certainly no headings and dividers. These are letters written to the church. How would you like to send an email? And you probably had this happen, right? It's how fights start. You send this long email. And then somebody's like, hey, I want to talk, I want to, talk to you about I want to talk to you about that paragraph. It's like, yeah, but that paragraph, I was given my overall, and you just took that paragraph. Unfortunately, the way our Bibles are written, sometimes we can fall prone to that. We can just stop our thoughts, put our Bible down, and walk away. But part of the challenges they were having was that they were in a debate. They weren't getting along, but he says, look, I love you both. You're all written in the book of life. Nobody here is going to hell. It's just you guys aren't getting along. Get along. And then how do I get along? Rejoice in the Lord. You mean I don't rejoice in her opinion? No, you might not. You might not. You might not rejoice in the fact that you and a sister or you and a brother don't have the same view. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And then what he says, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> we're talking about something bigger than, than your debate, bigger than your argument, bigger than your moment. Let your reasonableness be made known. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. Everybody say anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do I get the peace of God which surpasses all understanding? Well, I need to rejoice in the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm not rejoicing in, in, in my, my wife and my relationship today. That's, that, that, that's not going to, because it's not fair to my wife. Can I get an amen from a husband? That's not fair to build my entire, my, my whole day and my whole emotion and my whole whether or not God's good based on the, the feelings of other people. If I'm doing that, I'm bound to always latch on to other people and ride the wave through life of people that make me happy. The sevens, your challenge is, what do I do when things aren't going well? What do I do when I feel bad? What do I do when, the, when it, something's coming up I might have to deal with? Well, I don't want to. Nothing's there, nothing's there, nothing's there. Let me move on to the next one. And that's so dangerous. Because we're, we're genuinely not rejoicing in the Lord, no matter what we say out loud. We're, we're not rejoicing in the Lord if we can be found riding waves every time something gets difficult. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. He's like, hey, God's here. <laughs> God's here. Yeah, but I'm having this spat over here with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But God's here. When you face pain or problems in this world, let your joy come from the Lord. I'm speaking to the sevens today, but I think everybody's got a little seven in them. And we all know what it's like to ignore the problem. We all know what it's like to put too much on other people's shoulders and other people's opinions and other people's, we had a debate, we had a fight, I didn't agree. I got news for you. We've been married almost 20 years, headed that way. I guess we're all headed that way, getting married a year. I guess you're headed that way. We're pretty close. You know one of the, the, the joys when we, when we bought our house a few years back? One of the joys was that when we went and we looked into the bedrooms, you know one of the things that we were looking for? Two sinks. Lord Jesus, allow there to be a vanity with two sinks. Christy's got all of her stuff. She doesn't need any of it. But she's got all of her stuff, you know, to, that, that she, she uses. And I'm just trying to find, like, where the water is for my toothbrush. Like, I'm just like, wow, it's lots of stuff. And then on the other side, I can't tell you how many fights we've had in our marriage. It's like, Tolly, I better be careful because I could do it. Yeah. I'm not trying. This isn't her. <laughs> I better stop with the impressions. There's going to be an impression on my face. No, but I can't tell you how many fights that have been that are, that are like, Tolly, did you shave over the sink again? <laughs> uh, No. So when we got two sinks, now here's the, I, I make a big, big joke about it, but why? We absolutely love each other. 20 years, amazing kids, 
ministry. Been through a lot. But if we were to base everything on always agreeing, the other person essentially being a clone of me and always looking at me going, man, you're excellent, Tolly. You're, now, don't get me wrong, babe. If, if, you, if, if you want to, you know, feel free. But if that was what it was about, if I couldn't face adversity, if I couldn't face trial, if I couldn't get through and, and love people in spite of differences, if I couldn't do all of that, I would just ride the wave. And a lot of people do. But faithfulness says, Lord, you're my God and my joy comes from you even in the midst of the circumstance. When you face pain or problems in the world, let your joy come from the Lord. Sometimes we overindulge when we're facing pain. And I can't... Overindulgence. I want you to hear me clearly. Because I believe this is an area where the church at large, capital C Church mostly southern, mostly westernized version of Christianity, has really destroyed a lot of people. Because we can overindulge in some things, hiding the fact that we're not rejoicing in the Lord. And you can come into church and nobody says a thing. But then people can overindulge in something else. And we say, sinner. You have the scarlet letter. Not sure if we can be close. Or every time we talk, I got to bring that up. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? But people overindulge all the time. The root cause is the same, but we can fall into unhealthy coping mechanisms if our coping is not in Christ. What are some coping mechanisms? Let's just ignore all the problems. Let's pretend they're not there. How about spending? Don't point. You heard the expression retail therapy? Things are stinking. I'm not happy. Let me go just buy something. Make myself feel pretty. Feel I was beautiful and pretty, so it came out pretty. Go feel pretty today. Overeating. We can overindulge and overeat all day long. We can take that sugar rush all day long. And in the church of the living God, I was at a conference once and this pastor got up and he preached down against homosexuality. Just, just tore people up. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, it's not very loving at all. And then I'm like, dude, you're, you're like 450. Like, you, and he's making fun of himself in how he's going to go have like three Big Macs that afternoon. And I'm like, you're, you're a preacher? You're bashing someone else with the pulpit and, and you're throwing down three Big Macs this afternoon? But in the church of the living God, we don't, it's, it's cool. I want you to hear me clearly. This is not body image stuff. This isn't like ever, it, it's just, we know our own hearts. Right? We all have diff different genetics, different expressions. I'm not getting it. It's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is, you know if you're overindulging. You know if you're masking your own problems. You know if you're retail therapy shopping. You, you know if you're coping without Christ. 
And that's what the scripture warns against. Drinking. Drinking. Little, have a little wine for your stomach. Hey, Jesus, this is, the best, this is the best stuff at the party. But it's not. Hey, let's go get toasted and roasted because I'm not happy with my spouse. Let me, let me go sit at the bar where nobody will judge me and just drink my life away. It's coping without Christ. Sleeping in all day. I don't want to face the world. Pull the covers over. I don't want to face anything that's going on. How about promiscuous behavior? Running from person to person. Place to place. Nobody gets to know me. Well, you don't stay long enough. And so we do this. We're coping without Christ. But the command is to rejoice in the Lord. Anchor yourself. Find yourself faithful to Jesus. Say, Lord, I see you. I hear you. I feel you. I sense your presence. I know that you're with me and you're for me. And I know being surrendered to you allows the Spirit of God to work in me. And I know you'll work all this out according to my good and your glory. I'm going to be faithful. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, anything praiseworthy, think about these things. I rejoice in the Lord greatly at length now that you received revived concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking, not that I'm speaking of need, listen to this, church, for I have what? Learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound and in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then here's the, one of the most misquoted verses ever. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Everybody say, all means all. Now I need all of you to participate. All means all. I can do all things doesn't mean I'm going to be victorious and I'm going to be a winner and I'm always going to be on top. I'm always going to be the CEO. I'm always going to be the one that's a superstar. Should have done that maybe. But I'm, I'm not always going to do that. Like all means all means that in the worst, I know how to be content when I'm on the highs. And I know how to be content when the world is falling down around me. Because my contentment doesn't come from my circumstance. Contentment comes from Christ. And so as a result, my Christ has not changed today. And so I don't need to surf through new experiences and new coping strategies and soak up all of life. I don't have to do that in order to find joy because I am rejoicing in my God. And my God doesn't move. The rock still stands. I don't have to come up with a new hit. We look at the drug addict and we're like, man, that's so sad. They got to keep going back and getting a hit. They got to keep. Let me tell you something, too. Uh, we work in inner city East Baltimore and we work in the suburbs and we work in Kenya. And I tell you something. There's there's people that are shooting themselves up. And there's people that are popping pills. 
and the pill poppers and the ones that are drinking can usually end up at work and everything be fine. But we stigmatize. We don't stigmatize the heart issue. We stigmatize how they're dealing with the heart issue. And if you and I as Christ followers would be the people in the world to just go, you know what? If you're popping a pill or you're downing too much alcohol or you're cutting yourself and you're sticking needles in your arm or you're sniffing stuff, whatever it is, the heart issue is where I want to talk to you. I don't want to condemn one group to hell and then another group I buddy-buddy with because they write big checks. For I've learned whatever situation I'm in to be content. We cannot be content in Christ until we can embrace our adversity. Seven's in the room. I love you. I love hanging out with you. Absolutely. My prayer for you is to learn to embrace the adversity. No one goes through this world without deep, deep adversity. And so long as we pretend that somehow the upper echelon of faith is that we don't face adversity or upper echelon of wealth or the upper echelon of being a westernized Christian means that we avoid as much pain as possible. So long as that is our mantra, we're not going to be able to learn how to cope in Christ. Because if you're denying the problem, then you don't need Christ. But if you'll learn that tension of saying, you know what? It's a learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. For I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. You know how much discontentment there is in America? We're the wealthiest people on the planet. And we whine like crazy. Amen, Shadrach? Amen. Amen. Shadrach's from a third world country. And you go over there and nobody's whining all the time. Please, come have tea. Come have tea. Oh, we're so grateful the Lord has provided. And, and, and I'm just trying to slide in underneath the door and, and sit down knee to knee with somebody that lives in squalor right outside of one of the largest slums or in the largest slum right outside of the, 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 the trash heap that is the neighborhood. And the smells, the aroma, and everything. And you're in, you're in like a little 8 by 8 or a 10 by 10. And, and they're generous. And they're loving. And they're kind. And they're rejoicing. And in America, man, so learn to embrace the fact that there's adversity. Realize that your faith has to be strong enough to persevere through things you're not happy with or people that you don't really get along with or circumstances that aren't going your way at that moment. Here's what happens when you get old. This is why I love, 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 love our elders and all, all elders that are in Christ. Some people, if they're cranky, here's a misnomer I found out. Sometimes we say, well, old people are cranky. Nah, they were cranky young people too. Yeah, they were just, they jerks old, they were probably jerks when they were young. <laughs> but here's the one thing I do enjoy about, about um, knowing people that are older. They don't get spastic over every new problem. There's a consistency, especially if you know a Christian who's older. 
There is a consistency in Christ. My best friend's mom uses a phrase many of you, I'm sure, have known or used, but this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Might be ugly, might take a while, might hurt, but the storm will pass. I'm not going to panic because there's a storm coming. Contentment is a learned practice. I can do all things through him means all. The good, the bad, the ugly. Doesn't mean I'm going to always win or I'm always going to be happy. Verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. So they're given a gift. It was kind of you. And you Philippians yourselves knew that the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered in partnership. Nobody was there to help me, giving and receiving except for only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. Not that I am seeking the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. This is a real theological understanding of what it means when a pastor says you should contribute towards a cause of God. He says, I, I wasn't about getting the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. When you partner with God in what God is doing, that's what I'm really after. Now, are there charlatans that are out there to, to, to suck themselves up? Absolutely there are. But you don't say because there's a, a bad teacher that all education is bad. You don't say because there was a bad doctor, all of them are bad. What you do is you just go, you know what? I just need to pray and be sure that I'm investing in kingdom business one of the things I love about CGI. I love being able to say, not a penny stays in America. I love being able to say, no one on our team makes a penny from CGI. I love it. Because why? So when I call you to give, it's as pure form of a request as possible. I desire the fruit for you that will increase. If you will join God in helping people you'll never meet. I have received full payment and more. He's like, hey, I got what you sent. I've, I, having received from uh, Epidotius the gifts that you sent, a fragment offering, uh, sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to what? His riches in glory. To our God and Father be glory forever. Disciples seek to find satisfaction with God as our supply. You see, one thing he knew, he said, look, I'm content either way. I'm content when I have a lot. I'm content if I have little. I appreciate you all sending that gift. I receive it warmly. I pray God is going to bless you in that. But don't make any mistake. That gift didn't come from you. The gift came from my God. And I'm glad that he used you as a vessel. I've learned to become content in everything. When I have a lot, when I have little, thank you for that gift. But I want you to understand, rejoicing comes from the Lord. You see, what a disciple understands is I don't, I don't have to bounce from thing to thing. I don't have to fill my life up all the time with good experiences and good vibrations and good vibes only. I don't have to do that. That's bad theology. What I have to do is I have to learn that, to find my satisfaction that God is my supply. That God, you see me. God, you know me. God, you love me. God, you want your best for me. God, you will use me if I'll surrender to you. And so my theology is not good vibes only. My theology is not let me link up with people that make me feel good. That's not my theology. My theology is rejoice in the Lord always. That's my command, not yours. My soul is not dependent on whether or not you're nice to me. Because it's, that's not the command. The command is I rejoice 
in the Lord. And guess what? My other command is I have to love you. Those are my commands. But if we flip that, we give people power over our souls. Do you understand that? Like when you flip that and you start to go, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about the Lord today. Or have you heard people say, well, today, man, God, God was good. God's good. God's good. How's it doing? God's good. He's good every day. Your circumstances may not be good. People may not be treating you good. Your health may not be good. But God is always good. Faithfulness is the fruit of the Spirit. Saying, Lord, I know you, love you, trust you, believe you, and I believe you care for me. That's where it's really put to the test. Faithfulness. Sevens, and many of us who act like sevens, we're gluttonous for pleasure and we're avoiders of pain. We could all learn to grow in seeking God as our supply for joy, love, hope, peace, and happiness. God is good even when life is not. God is good even when life is not. I've often been asked, like, how, Pastor, how is it that you know, like, everybody's junk? How can you get up and boldly proclaim the gospel every week? Like, you know, everybody you're looking at is broken. That's exactly how. I don't want a glossed over picture of heaven. I want to look out to people that are pursuing Jesus. And some are at the starting line. And some haven't decided to join the race at all. And some have been running for a long time. But God is good even when life is not. As I said, there are people in this room struggling with addiction. There are marriages that are hanging in the balance. We have somebody looking for a heart and liver transplant. We have other people that have told me, hey, I'm, I'm pretty close to getting on a transplant. I'm not sure if I'm on a list yet or not. But other people that are struggling with alcohol or substance abuse. Other people that are wayward from their families. Other people that are watching their families, family members pass away. And guess what? That's not good. It's not going to bring them joy. It's not rejoicing in the circumstance in front of you. But what it is is saying, you know what, God? You're good in spite of all of it. And Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through who? Christ, who strengthens me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm not going to run from circumstance to circumstance. I'm not going to run from person to person, place to place, or even church to church. To try to just fill my feelings up. I'm going to rejoice in Jesus. I'm going to get to the other side. You know the best emails I, 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 I receive 
They're from the other side. The people that have been faithful. And it's not always a winning email. Most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's, hey, something was tragic and I had to go through that. I never would put it on my enemy. But pastor. I got several of those emails this week. You can ask my wife. It, it, it totally blessed my, my soul. But then I also get emails that are like, well, pastor, I don't know if the kids' program's good enough for my kid. I think we're going to find a place that's got 17 services. <laughs> okay. So forgive me. Forgive me as your pastor if I don't run to the people that every little feeling and every little emotion, every little wave shakes them. When I've got people that are dealing with heart transplants and seizures and medication that they can't pay for. When I got all of that, forgive me if we're not good enough. But let's be faithful to Jesus, not to captivate, not to me. Be faithful to Jesus. He's the author. He's the perfecter of your faith. And if you'll hang on in the middle of that storm, if you'll ride it out, if you'll say, Lord, I trust you, when you get to the other side, I promise he's a good God. And he was a good God before you went in the storm. But sevens, my friends, I love you. Some of the greatest people I know are seven. But you have a habit of running away from your problems. Anchor down. Be found faithful. Amen? Let's pray.